Welcome and thank you for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. Where is your life headed? Where are you going? Who do you trust to help get you there? Our Raise the Sales sermon series continues with Jenny Sung and the sermon, Trust Him. Good morning. My name is Jenny Sung. I'm the executive coordinator here and also co-pastoring with Pastor Dan for the downtown campus of The Vine. We have started construction. Very exciting. If you would like to be a part of it, serving, come track me down. We are on week three of our sermon series, Raise the Sails in the Book of Joshua, and we've kind of embarked on this new chapter, a voyage, to learn more about the generous heart of God, what it means to follow Him, to prioritize Him, and to trust in Him. Last week, we heard an amazing sermon from Chris Pan on Joshua chapter two, a sermon we were charged to walk out into a world in need, a broken world, and to say our lives for your lives, because ultimately, Jesus gave his life for all of us. We continue today to take a look at the events in Joshua chapter three, where the people of God finally crossed the Jordan River into the promised land. It's another miraculous parting of the waters, quite reminiscent of when the Red Sea parted. Except here, it's not that the Israelites are fleeing from the bondage of slavery, they are actually crossing the Jordan River to go into the promised land. So it's another miracle, another parting of the waters that allows the people of God to pass through on dry land. Now Joshua takes the Israelites into the land God had promised them, but it's not without some faith, some testing, and trust in the God who promises to be with them. Have you ever tried to follow someone to a place you've never been before? Like, like you've never gone that way, you have no idea how to get there, but you're trusting someone to lead you there. I had a case like this. My story is that I was trusting my best friend who was trusting her Google Maps on her phone. So, let me tell you this little story. Um, I scraped up my vacation days and we went to Watford, England to find the church called Soul Survivor. We wanted to go to the 430 worship service because we had heard Pastor Mike Pilavachi here at the Honolulu conferences. And so when we were there, we really wanted to go see his church. So, we decided to take this vacation and, you know, I, I, it's been a while. Um, how many of you have been to London? Okay, oh, quite a number of you. Do you know that um, the elevators there are called lifts? I was like, where's the elevator? They're like, lifts, they're called lifts. And did you know that the green thing that they serve with the fish and chips is not guacamole? It's actually like smashed peas. It's smashed peas, that's their thing. And the underground rail is called the tube. I took lots of tubes and many tube stations later, we arrived at Watford Junction Station. And we decided, well, we're going to walk the rest of the way because Google Maps says it's 25 minutes. And really, that can't be that bad, right? Nah, I hear you. 
So Laura Kay led the way with her eyes glued on her phone and we walked the streets and she's a really fast walker and I'm a really slow walker. So basically it was like I was chasing her through the streets of Watford trying to keep up and I was trusting where she was going. And we went through the town and, and we came to like this residential area. It was house after house after house. And I think at one point we crossed through people's yards. And I was like, we were in the wilderness of Watford for like 40 years and we couldn't find a church in sight. And, you know, I felt like the Israelite who didn't go into the promised land. I felt like the one with Moses, the original generation. I just kind of grumbled. I was like, hey, are you sure? Are you sure that we're going the right way? Like, are you sure you're taking us to Soul Survivor? I don't know. See, I was kind of getting worried because um, after those rows of houses, we entered this industrial district and I looked around and there were like massive like containers and warehouses and there was not a soul inside. Nobody looked like they were going to any church. The streets were deserted and logically it just didn't seem possible. So I was kind of grumbling and well, I should have had more faith. I should have had more trust in my best friend, who's really one of the sharpest people I know, and she's quite trustworthy, and she's tax savvy. I should have trusted her map too, right? It turns out we were exactly in the right place. We found Soul Survivor. It is in the warehouse district, and we crossed over into Soul Survivor Church, and we, we met the friendliest people and the best staff, and we were in the land of worship and prayer and the people of God, and afterwards, they asked us if we wanted to stay and have dinner. They had enchiladas and beer, and we were so happy, fond memories. And you know, I almost forget when I accidentally when Andy Croft, the senior pastor, came up to me and I said, oh, are you one of Mike Pilavachi's interns? <laughs> Don't do that to Pastor Dan. That was quite embarrassing. Now, I know my story's kind of like about following Google Maps, but I just hope to illustrate that, you know, when you're kind of following someone and you're in the land of the unknown, it can be hard to trust, right? And to trust beyond what you see and what goes kind of against your logic and to follow in obedience. One of, mo one of the most significant lines in chapter three in the book of Joshua is when the people of God are getting ready to cross the Jordan River. And Joshua says this to the people in verse nine. He says, this is how you know that the living God is among you. The living God. No, we do not have a distant God who's dead or remote or far away or removed from connection with his people. No, he is the living God who is among us. Over and over again, God reminds us, I am the living God who goes before you and I am with you. And the question is, do we trust and know him as the living God among us? And if so, are we faithful to follow and obey, even when it means to go and stand in the flooding river? Will you pray with me as we look at today's passage? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for the way that you continue to show us how faithful you are, how generous you are, how you go before us and you prepare a way and you love us and you guide us. I pray that as we look at Joshua chapter three, please open our hearts and our minds, fill us with your Holy Spirit. May we hear your voice only and your truth. In Christ's name, amen. One of the big practices here that we're starting to really get excited about at First Press is the 
public reading of scripture. We like to read scripture together. Sometimes we do it on Sundays. Many of us have experienced the just show up public reading of scripture at like life training or wacko, small groups. I know Al Linton does it in his staff and his company. And this is where people gather to listen to the Bible and we do it together in community. This practice is so important that the Apostle Paul actually was telling his young disciple Timothy, he instructed him, devote yourself, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Now, I know many churches emphasize good teaching and preaching, of course, they should, but I feel that sometimes the public reading of scripture gets kind of delegated to this private activity, like something we're supposed to do on our own. And... It's really supposed to be a communal practice shared with one another. It's integral to our story as the people of God. And it's life-giving, and we're supposed to do it regularly. I wanna show you a video by N.T. Wright. It's about the practice of reading God's word, the public reading of scripture, and why it's so important. For those of you who do not know N.T. Wright, it's not like N.T. Wright, like Uncle Wright, N.T. Wright, it's the letters N.T. Wright. Some people actually thought I was talking about an N.T. Is a, N.T. Wright is a theologian, author, and professor, and some say he's the most important apologist in C.S. Lewis. He's written countless books, and he's teaching currently at the University of St. Andrews in Scotland, where this video was recorded. Just a little bit of warning, because I'm a seminary student. It's a little bit academic. Might seem a little bit nerdy to you. Please bear with it. You know, he's even got like the bookcase in the back and the cardigan and like the glasses. So it's very academic, but please listen. Try and listen to what he's laying out here and listen to how he talks about like the whole breadth of the Bible. Um, It's really neat. So let's hear N.T. Wright together. Hello, I'm Tom Wright in St. Andrews in Scotland. Welcome to this brief course about reading scripture in public. In the epistle we call 1 Timothy, the Apostle Paul sets out a blueprint for what Timothy will be doing in his life as a teacher and minister of the gospel. And at the heart of this charge is to give attention to the public reading of scripture. In 1 Timothy 4 verse 13, the word for reading, anagnosis, means to read out loud the public reading. It's the word they would use in the synagogues around the Jewish world in the diaspora when the law and the prophets were read aloud. The scriptures were never intended simply as reference points for private individuals, though of course they are that as well. They form and shape whole communities. Part of what it means to be the people of God is to be the people who together listen to the great story, the God-given story of God himself and his world. You see, we always need reminding of how the biblical story works. The story we find in Scripture runs from creation to new creation, or more particularly, it runs from creation to covenant, from Adam to Abraham, if you like, and then all the way through to new covenant and so new creation. It's a story with a plot. It's a drama. And when we together hear it read, we realize that we are called to be part of the action. And listening to the story shapes us as individuals and communities so that we can play the parts that we're given in this drama. In particular, the Bible tells the story of how the living God desired and designed to live in the midst of his people, to dwell in the midst of his creation so that he wouldn't be distant from it. If people don't understand that, and sadly a lot of the church has often distorted it, 
Then we invent other stories, like the stories some philosophers tell of how the point of it all is for us to leave this world and go to be with God. No, the Bible's story is about how God wanted and decided to come and be with us. John says the word became flesh and tabernacled in our midst. He pitched his tent among us like the tabernacle in the wilderness. And the end of the Bible tells of the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven to earth so that the dwelling of God is with humans. Now, how all this works out is something to be explored elsewhere. But the point is that if people don't know that big story, they won't understand how it all fits together and they will make up other controlling narratives, ones which Jesus' own contemporaries wouldn't have even understood. So how are we going to tell the story? We have to get people once again used to hearing that whole story, not just little bits fitted in from here and there. We have to get used to hearing the stories of the Gospels and to hear and see those stories coming alive, to open the eyes of individuals and churches to whole new dimensions. We need to be able to see the whole thing, to let our eyes wander out in both directions from the particular focus that we have at any one moment. I love how he talks about kind of the wide breadth of understanding the whole Bible and not just taking bits and pieces. He goes on to talk about Israel's scripture coming to fulfillment in Jesus Christ and how we again need to become the people of the biblical story once again. It's a little bit longer and if you want the Vimeo, I'd be happy to send it to you. N.T. Wright reminds us that we are a part of God's narrative. We are God's people and that we're called to remember and be a part of the story. And as we read the word, it comes alive and we are formed and shaped by it. So now here as a people of God together, may his word form and shape us as we read today's passage. Will you stand as we read the book of Joshua chapter three, verses one through 17. You could turn to your phones or your Bibles. It'll be up on the screen. And for those of you who are in small groups, all the scripture there, it's on page 30, so you have the scripture. It's from the book of Joshua, chapter 3, starting from verse 1. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you've never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priest, Take up the ark of the covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. The Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God, 
This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. See, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. When the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant <clears throat> Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethah. While the water flowing down to the Sea of the Rabbah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation complete crossing on dry ground. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. What a miraculous passage, right? Just miraculous. It's, it's a story displaying God's power, his leading, and the obedience of God's people. And I like the guys, the priests, who are standing there in the middle of the river while everybody goes by. When we studied this passage with the elders um, at our monthly session meeting, uh, it was Sherry Shepherd who pointed out how miraculous it was that the land was recorded as dry. She said you would think with the water receding it would be like muddy or wet, but the ground was dry. God intervened and he did the impossible by enabling his people to pass, about a million people. Now when you study this passage, there are many key elements that come to light as we go through the chapter. One of the first things we see is that God goes before his people. We are called to seek him and follow. From the very first chapter, we know that the Israelites are about to break camp, right? They know they're gonna cross and enter into the promised land, but they don't know how it's exactly gonna happen, right? They've never been this way before, it says. So as Joshua prepares the people to break camp, God tells him to send out these orders. In verse three, it says, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, you are to move out from your positions and follow. Move out and follow when you see. Then you will know which way to go. And this is really important, these words, when you see the Ark of the Covenant move and follow. Because in the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant was the place of God's presence. The tabernacle was constructed, you know, to, with the Ark inside of it so that the Lord would be among his people. And for the Israelites, the Ark of the Covenant, it meant God's presence. God was with them. And so it's like God saying, don't fear, I go before you. I will show you the way. My presence 
is everything. You see, our presence, it's nothing compared to God's presence. You know, what we bring, our skills, our strategies, our human intellect, or even our physical strength, none of that matters compared to the presence of God. We're to seek Him. Look, and when we sense His presence, His prompting, we are to go and follow. We just had two days of the Life in the Spirit and uh, Life in the Spirit conference here, and there was a speaker. His name is Mark Marks, who came and shared. Uh, Mark is the founding leader of Healing on the Streets, and the pictures there is just something that he set up. Healing on the Streets is like, Mark is paid to basically never be inside a church. He goes out into the streets, and he shows the love of God to people by asking if they want healing prayer to complete strangers. And the stories that he shared about the miracles and the healings, I mean, they were just incredible. I mean, we're talking like people cured of diseases and cancer and like limbs growing, and you're just like, it was just miraculous. And you know, he said people will come and look at their setup and look at what they're doing and they'll go, oh yeah, yeah, we'll do that. You know, we'll, we'll take some chairs and we'll make a big banner and, and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll pitch tent and we'll, we'll do exactly what they do. But Mark said that nothing, nothing matters without the presence of Jesus. Because nothing will happen without the presence of Jesus. He wrote a blog and he expanded on this. He said, prepare by spending time with Jesus daily. Get closer to him and love people like he loves people. Be prepared to pay the cost. Kneel to pray before you start. Don't get off the ground until his presence comes. Either stay kneeling until his presence fills the air that you breathe or pack up and go home because nothing, zilch, will happen without his presence. Don't be distracted during your time on the streets. Your awareness of him and your intentional pressing into him and caring and nurturing his presence is vital. Have faith, be courageous, act courageously, and don't fear man. Mark Mark's words in that paragraph, it, it connects us and it reminds us to a second element as we study chapter three and that is to consecrate ourselves to the Lord our God. In verse five, before they cross into the promised land, Joshua tells the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord's gonna do amazing things. So consecrate, what does that word mean, right? Well, consecrate, it just means set yourself apart for the Lord. Set yourself apart from every hindrance, from temptation, from sin, anything that will keep you from walking in the will of God. It's basically the devoting or setting apart of anything to the worship or service of God. We want our minds, we want our hearts and our lives to be centered on who God is and what God wants for us as the people of God. We just started a 40-day fast. It was actually yesterday. And, you know, uh, prayer and fasting are great ways just to get closer to God and to kind of have a spiritual reboot. Um, you can abstain from a meal, like a specific food. I've seen a lot of people abstaining from coffee or alcohol or chocolate or carbs. But let me suggest a specific activity as well. Try to abstain from something like maybe criticizing or, or complaining. How about that one? 
It's a lot harder than you think to fast from that. But basically what it does is that every time that you, you, you catch yourself doing that, you pray and you seek God. And so you draw closer to him and you kind of disconnect from all those negative habits. It's a spiritual discipline that deepens our relationship with God. And in verse five, it says, consecrate yourselves. Consecrate yourselves, set yourselves apart. Come closer to God, for the Lord will do amazing things. As we step out in humility and consecrate ourselves to God, he's faithful. He is so faithful to be with us and to guide us and to lead us and to love us. He doesn't condemn. And when we go through the waters, we know that he goes before us and we are with him. He is in us and we are with him. I know Pastor Dan, I mean, Pastor Tim was praying that. As we go into the final closing of chapter three, Joshua reminds the people again that the living God is among his people. The living God is among you. God will go into the Jordan River ahead of them and drive out their enemies. And the instructions are clear to the priests who are carrying the ark. He says, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Now, this may not seem like a big deal. The only thing separating them from the promised land is like this river, right? And usually the best way to cross would be like find a shallow area and wade across. But, uh, you know, we're talking about a million people, uh, people here, and it says that this is a time of flooding, when Jordan's uh, banks are completely flooded and there's no place to cross. It's recorded that uh, as 14 feet higher than the normal level for the Jordan River, and so these waters may have been turbulent, there's a current, it, it might be muddy, right, not clear and glassy, and so the priests are kind of looking at this river as Joshua tells them, go. The Lord your God has said, go, go towards this river. And so what do they do? They pass on ahead of all the people and they take the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and they go to the river. Sometimes we may sense that God is asking us to go to the river and we're like, what? God may be asking us to do something or go somewhere that seems impossible or overwhelming. And we may be hearing him to ask us to do something that's really difficult, maybe sacrifice something that's precious for someone else, maybe forgive someone who has really hurt us, take a stand for truth and justice, or God may be asking you to open up your heart and trust him in deeper ways. You know, we wear these wristbands, right, around our wrist. And we remember the words of Joshua chapter one, verse nine. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. It's a reminder. And just like these wristbands, you know, uh, we got these cards with our booklets, and it's a commitment card. And it might be on our nightstand or, or a kitchen table or on the refrigerator, but they're just reminders. They're just reminders to do God close to the presence of God. And as we pray through this, and as we look at our wristbands, it's just a reminder to pray, to seek his presence, to go deeper and to ask God, Lord, here I am. 
Where are you calling me? What are you asking me to do? I am your servant. Speak, Lord. You know, as we pray and draw closer to the Lord, we're reminded that God is a very generous God. He's so generous and he's so faithful and he goes before us and he never leaves us. He is always with us. In this generosity voyage, we've been exploring questions about trust, trusting God, right? Uh, we had to do that scale of one to a hundred. How much do you trust and what do you risk? And we talked about prioritizing him and trusting him. And different members of the church have been sharing their testimony of what that's been like. I've been getting to know a young woman, Nora Cunning. We actually pray for her husband every Sunday. He's deployed. Nora has been helping with social media for our downtown campus, The Vine. She also sings on the worship team for 1111. And she shares in this video about trust and the story of the widow's might. Let's watch Nora's story together. I came to First Pres because a good friend of mine from school talked about coming here. I was going to a ch another church and I just didn't feel like I was being fed. First Pres is a really good church to test my personal theology, which is the season that I'm in right now. I'm a Bible college student. Also, one of the things that really drew me in was the children's church. I felt like they were intentional about the way they were teaching the Bible to kids and not just sitting them in front of a video. So I was in my car on my way to school and I was praying and I was saying my prayers, which are usually out loud. And this particular morning I was talking with God about the sermon that Dan had given about the widow. And I think it was really the first time I had ever heard the story. I was thinking, man, like, how is she able to do that? Like what kind, of, what kind of faith would you have to have to be able to really sacrifice everything you have? How could I be that faithful? When I asked God that, I felt that he put a question on my heart, and the question was, you believe that I provide every blessing in your life, so why wouldn't you trust me? In that moment, I made a personal proclamation that I would tithe. I got to work that afternoon, and my boss was like, I need to see you in my office. So I went to his office, and he handed me an envelope from corporate, and in the envelope, corporate was thanking me for uh, a good performance over the past six months and they were giving told me they were giving me a 10% raise. I think the way that Raise the Sales vision will challenge and stretch me personally is I think I will be encouraged to want to give more. Me and my family have really, really enjoyed what First Pres has brought to our lives and how First Pres has brought us closer to God. I'm just so excited to see what God's gonna do next through this, through Raise the Sales. It's gonna be awesome. Was someone clapping? No. <laughs> Nora took a step of trust. Yeah, and I love how God often answers us with questions, right? He asked her a question about trust. And she took a step and made this proclamation, as she called it, in her car. And like, she went to that water's edge and she touched the water with her feet. And, uh, and she witnessed a response from God, just from that one faith step. 
And I think it shows that we serve a generous God. You know, we, we shouldn't box God in or have expectations low, expectations of what he won't do. You know, God is someone you can turn to no matter what our circumstance, and he will always be generous and he will always be faithful. As we close our service, let us think about the God who became flesh and tabernacled in our midst. Jesus Christ, who died for our sins and became the new covenant for us, right? No longer in a tabernacle or in a physical. The living God is with us. Christ who lives in us when we believe in him. You, God, are with us. So let me close in a prayer, a prayer for you. And as Sabrina comes up and leads us in a song, continue to just pray and reflect on what God is telling you. And we can, uh, she's going to sing the first verse and chorus just to let you know. And then as we continue, please feel free to join in if you like. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the gift of Jesus, your son, the new covenant. Thank you, Lord, for dying for our sins, that you live in us. Lord, draw us into your presence. Maybe we become more and more aware each day, every moment, that you are the living God among us. Lord, be our light. You are with us, our Emmanuel. Deliver us. We seek you, Lord. And if there's anything that you're pointing to right now, anything that we need to lay before you to consecrate our lives to you again, Lord, will you gently bring it to the surface? We confess our sins to you. And we walk towards the water edge, and Lord, we pray that we may be able to touch the edge of that water and move forward in faith. May your name be glorified. Amen. The people of God, we sing together, and we read the word of God together, and we also pray with one another. And so if after the service you'd like to come up, something God's revealed to you and you want to pray with somebody, please come to the front. Our prayer team and staff would love to pray with you. And now receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may his face shine upon you, and his countenance be gracious unto you. And may you always know the deep love of Christ in your hearts as you follow him to wherever he has called you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. When it comes to navigating your life, trust and follow the one who drew the map, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to hear this sermon again, you can listen to and download this and other sermons from the First Pres website, fpchawaii.org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us at one of our worship services on campus at 45550 Ole Road, Kaneohe, Hawaii, 96744. We meet Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11.11. Follow First Pres on Twitter and Facebook. Download the First Pres app. Watch First Pres sermon videos on our website and on Facebook. And if you need more, you can call us at 
For Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Prez, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2019 and produced by the media ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu at Ko'olau.